Hi, this is Angie Meadows. And this is Will. And today we are on John 8. And we've been working on this study for a few weeks. And it's going to be a 120-day study. So you, so when I get it finished, I'm going to have it published on AmazonBooks.com. And it will be a wonderful study for a semester for high school, college kids, for daily devotions, for a classroom, uh, for 18 weeks, for a semester. Um, my heart burns while I write this, Will. <laughs> It's it's amazing how the Lord meets me and when I'm working on these studies it's it's really exciting. So in John 8, what's our theme? Belief, hearing, hearing equals understanding. Yes, so belief equals hearing. Okay. So if I believe, I can hear what the word of the Lord says. If I don't believe, I, he can tell somebody can tell me all day long what the truth is and I'm not going to hear it. But once my, I'm believing, then I can start hearing the word of the Lord and now I'm going to understand it. So a lot of times um, I try to start with understanding, but instead what I want you to do is start with believing. All right, Lord, I don't understand this, but I believe. Now the main verse that I want to pull out of this section is, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And that's John 8, 7. So number one, we're going to do chapter 8, verse 1. Where did Jesus go next? Where did he go next? But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. So where did he go? The Mount of Olives. Yeah. Where was Jesus teaching? Now early in the morning. He came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and he taught them. So where was he teaching? In the temple. How about that? <laughs> and he wasn't um, educated, but he could teach like the rabbis. And people would say, wow, where did he get his wisdom? How does he teach with such authority? All right, next question. Who brought Jesus, the woman, Taken in adultery. Hmm. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst. So who brought her? The the Pharisees. Yeah, the scribes, the scribes and the Pharisees. And the Pharisees. Uh, they came. Now the scribes were the ones that were translating the Bibles and things like that. They were the ones that wrote the scriptures. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day that trusted in the rules. They didn't know how to trust in God. They didn't know God. They knew their rules, right. and they knew their religion, and they were very political. They had a, a lot of political pull and a lot of political power that they did not want to give up. So read me the fourth question. What was their accusation of this woman? They said to him, teacher. This woman was caught in adultery in the very act. <laughs> so, what was their what was their uh, accusation? Yeah, she she was caught in the very act in adultery. Oh, she was caught in adultery in the very act. Mm-hmm. So here they are dragging her to Jesus. So, what does the law of Moses say should happen to the woman taken in adultery? Now, Moses in the law commanded as that such should be t stoned. What? But what do you say? So the Pharisees are talking to him, and they're saying they're trying to trick him, and they're saying, "Okay, the law says she's got to be stoned," and they wanted to they wanted to stone her, but they wanted his permission, and they probably knew with his heart of compassion that he would not give him the permission to do that. So the law said that she needed to be stoned. So let's see what Jesus says. 
Why were they questioning Jesus about this woman? Mm-hmm. Why were they questioning her? What did Jesus say? Jesus says, This they said, testing him, that they might have something to of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and he wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear them. So they were questioning him because they were testing, testing him. him. Yeah. And then what did he do? Stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he didn't hear them. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, you know, I have a little wiener dog that does this selective hearing loss. <laughs> she must have learned that lesson from Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's see, what what was their response to this? So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Oh wow. So when he when he lifted up off the ground, he he just gave them a question. Um and I would say that there, he he turned their consciences on where they were like, Whoa, I guess I did this this morning and I guess I said that yesterday and I guess I'm not without sin. Right. So that that's really cool how <clears throat> once we get in the presence of Jesus our conscience can be turned on. So let's look at John eight eight. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Yeah, so what did he do next? He stooped down and he wrote on the ground again. What convicted them? Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience. There it is. He turned their conscience on. Whatever it was he was writing in the dirt turned their conscience on. And one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last one, uh, they left. Um, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman was standing in the midst. So what happens next? When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? (laughs) Okay, so nobody's left. And now he's questioning her. He's like, where's your accusers? (laughs) And let's see, what did she say? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now this makes me want to weep to think that he's so compassionate that he goes above the law to compassion and grace. This woman, according to the law, needed to be stoned. According to the religious leaders, she needed to be stoned. According to her actions, she needed to be stoned. But Jesus is like, I don't care about that. I care about her. I care about her heart. I care about her purity, about her going and sinning no more, about her feeling not condemned. So let's look at some things to ponder here. So when Jesus is in the scene, no one has the authority to be an accuser. Let that sink in for a minute. How many times do we think the worst of others? So Will and I have been working on this. We've been working on um, not thinking the worst. But even if the worst is looking like it's there, instead we're like speaking blessings. We're like speaking hope. We're like... Um, identifying it and yet moving past it and starting to learn to pull the good out of people Um, and not because we're really bad uh, even particularly in the recovery community we're really bad about seeing someone start to stumble and then giving them a shove (laughs) instead of like whoa whoa here let's catch you here let me catch you here here no 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 one's going to condemn you yeah 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 you should be kicked out but not not today because i'm going to give you this heart of compassion I'm not going to think the worst. And we have the ability to actually change all that. We do. We do. And and then the other person has the 
option to receive it and turn it around real quick before they nope. get too far down that road, right. or or to just take advantage of it, and then they don't <laughs> usually give you a choice but to put up a stronger boundary. Yeah. So how would it feel to know that Jesus doesn't condemn you? Hmm. How would that feel? To know that no matter what you've done in the past, you don't have to keep carrying it. Number three. What would it feel like to go to somebody who has stumbled and restore them with a kind word and accountability plan to sin no more? Yeah, so I think the key here is is uh, their willingness to work an accountability plan, to work a support group, to have accountability partners, to be challenged, to do something different. So are you condemning yourself? for something you have done in your past or even something someone did to you. I hear from my girls in recovery, Will, that things that people did to them, they were told as children that it was their fault. And of course it wasn't, Um, but they're still blaming themselves. So there is a verse in Romans 8.1 that says, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And I want you to write that verse out in your quiet time, in your study time, and I want you to particularly focus on the words in, in Jesus. Because when we're in Jesus, that means we're abiding in Him. He's the vine, we're the branches. And we're abiding in Him, and He's abiding in us, and we have life, and life is not condemning. When I'm shameful, guilty, self-condemning, I'm abiding in death and not life. So I want you to start abiding in life and speaking life over yourselves. So this woman that was caught in adultery, the Pharisees took it as an opportunity to try to trap Jesus. Um, They threw the law in his face. Um, and instead, he started writing in the dirt. He ignored them, and then he wrote in the dirt some more, and then their consciences convicted them. So sometimes when people are coming and they're doing something that's legally right, they're, they're saying, this person's you know done this, they've said this, they've stole that. It's legally right to go do that, but what would it look like to not cast that first stone? What would it look like to disperse other people with their confessions. Okay, let's confess what you did this morning, what you did last night, what you did two weeks ago. Where did your grace come from? So that we cannot condemn each other, but lift each other up and start moving forward. So here's the point that I want you to look at. Where's your shame? Where's your guilt? Where's your self-condemnation? And then let go of those things. So the next section. Jesus is the light of life. Ha. And Jesus. in him is no darkness at all. <laughs> he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life in John eight twelve. So what's the verse here? Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Mm. So what does Jesus say about how to have the light? He says to follow me. <laughs> there it is. So if I'm following Jesus, I'm following closely. There's not any darkness in my life, and if there is, I can just do. Like sometimes, well, there'll be two areas of my life there because there's two tracks on that train. There's the the one on the left, the one on the right. Part of it's wicked, 
and part of it's precious. And so this this wicked, unbelieving rehearsing of negativity that I do, I could stay stuck there all day long, not knowing how to move it, not knowing how to process it, letting it defeat me. Or I can look at it, validate it, feel it for a minute, say, oh, can't fix it today. Can't, can't. I got, I got, I can't control it. I can't change it. And there's no power in my hands. And then I can look at what's precious in my life and move forward praising God. And that's when I'm walking after the light. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be dark things in my life. It means I'm not following after that darkness. I'm not giving it space. So who is accusing Jesus of bearing record of himself? The Pharisees therefore said to him, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. <laughs> Sounds like they're accusing him again. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> so, so Jesus isn't taking anything personal. Right. Yeah, so I think part of our moving forward in life is just to stop taking things so personal. So why does Jesus say that, that his record is true? So he's going to defend himself here for a minute. Jesus answered and said to them, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I came from and where I am going. Huh. So how does Jesus say they judge? Uh, accordingly to the flesh. Yeah, I, I judge no one, says Jesus. I judge no one. But you're judging according to the flesh. Now, I think that what he's saying is you're in the material Um era of life, and I'm in the spiritual. So if Jesus judges, why would his judgment be true? So here he's saying, I judge no one, and now let's read 8.16 and see what he says. And yet if I judge... If I do judge. If I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. Okay, so there are times... um, We're not to judge, but I think we're supposed to be fruit inspectors. I think we can look at somebody's fruit and say, now let's see if they're doing the work. Um, Lying, cheating, stealing, that's not good fruit. (laughs) They're not doing the work. So let's see what we can do about uh, moving that to where they have better fruit in their life and coaching them on a stronger path. So let's look at John 8, 17. It is also written in your law that the testimonies of two men is true. So how many people does it take to support a testimony? Two. Okay. And who are the two that bear witness of Jesus? Uh, Um, Here we go. Right here. I am one one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. All right. So right there is the two, the Son and the Father. So what did the Pharisees ask Jesus next? Then they said to him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. So the biggest problem with their religious rules is that it has blocked them from knowing the father. It's blocked them from a relationship. It's blocked them from recognizing truth, from recognizing the Son of God. Their religion did that. Their rules did that. Their, and I would think if I'm following religion and following rules, I'm, I've got a lot of pride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got a lot of pride that's blocking me and blinding my eyes. And I believe that I can trust in my rules, so I'm not trusting on, in the Father God. I'm, I don't 
need a Savior if I've got all these rules. And I can remember when the Lord led me down the path of legalism and in a lot of rules. I did trust in those rules. Now, thank God I was in a really good church that was leading me to study my Bible and discipling me to know Christ. But if I hadn't have been, maybe I would have sat there uh, in my long skirt and trusted in my rules trusted in my outward appearance instead of recognizing that whoa there's still junk in my heart that's gotta go <laughs> gotta go gotta go <laughs> so john eight twenty. these words jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple <clears throat> and nobody no one laid hands on him for his hand for his hour had not yet come so jesus is teaching where in the treasury in the treasury in the temple and no one was and able to lay hands on them. Yeah, so he he was not touchable. <laughs> so why can't they follow Jesus? Then Jesus said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So unbelief is their greatest sin. They just don't believe. No matter what's going on, they just don't believe. So they're not going to be able to follow him in their unbelief. So what's the question for the next one? It seems they realize that he is speaking of his death when he is speaking about leaving. So what do you – so what do they ask each other? So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, where I go, you cannot come. So they're, they're, they're puzzled. They can't figure this out. Okay, so what's the next question? What is Jesus' reason as to why they cannot follow him? Okay. What is his reason? And he said to them, you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. So he's still telling them that they're in the material, carnal flesh, that they have not come alive in their spirit yet. So why is the reason they are from the world below and dying in their sins? Therefore I said to you that you will die in your own sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Oh, again, he's addressing their unbelief. He's saying because you don't believe, you are fleshly materialistic of this world, and with unbelief, you're going to stay here. You're not going to be able to go to a higher place to be able to hear spiritual truths. So Jesus is the light of the world. And the Pharisees, they don't know the Father. They emphasize the religion and not relationship. They're arrogant. They're fake. They're false accusers. They're bullies. They're stuck in their own belief. So Jesus and the Father bear witness of his sonship. And you can know Jesus um, when you know the Father. But without knowing the Father, you're not going to know or see Jesus. And no one can take Jesus before his time. No one can take his life. Um, unbelievers can't follow Jesus. They, Their eyes are not opened. So without believing, we will die in our sins. So let's look at the things to ponder in this section. Anxiety, worry, fretfulness, and fearfulness are signs of unbelief. Rate belief on a scale of 1 to 10. All right, so how much do you believe? And I know that if I'm anxious, worry, and fretful, and fearful, my belief's a little low. It's a little shallow. Mm -hmm. 
to this shallow end of the dream pool. <laughs> so I need to make sure that I'm exchanging my fears and my worries for faith. And that's active. That's not going to come natural. That's something that I have to be intentional about. So number two. It is an intentional practice to exercise your trust muscle. Mm-hmm, amen. Lord, help me to recognize when I have forgotten to trust you. And I know I have forgotten to trust the Lord when I'm anxious, when I'm fearful, when I'm fretful, when I'm wringing my hands going, what am I going to do? Okay, what's the next thing we want to ponder? Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me the gift of faith. Okay, read it again. Lord, give me the the gift of faith. (laughs) There you go. I believe, and then I forget to believe. I do. I do. I believe. Oh, no. I'm too anxious. I forgot to believe. (laughs) So there's a gift that the God gives us. It's a gift of faith, and it's bigger than me. I don't think I can muster up my little faith muscle. muscle. It's too feeble. I just Mm want to sit in my fear and my worry. But if I activate my faith. If I activate what he's given me, then he's going to give me more because I'm going to be a good steward of that faith. I'm going to say, okay, Lord, this looks bad, but you're good, so you're not done here. And then I get through that little crisis, and then I get through the next one and the next one. And before you know it, I've learned to self-regulate myself when I'm going up and down in the trials and tribulations of life, where now I'm counting them all joy because they're working in me maturity. So circumstances now don't uh, challenge me the same way. They don't flip me. They don't make me um, worried. Instead, they make me uh, sit there and be excited about what is God doing here. This is so cool. Okay, so what are we going to do next? There is a dependency on Jesus that develops faith through the ups and downs of life. How can you intentionally become more dependent upon the Lord? So in this section, I would want you to look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge Him. So I want you to acknowledge Him each day with every breath, with every sorrow, with every fretfulness, with every worry. And well, we can be a little concerned. We can be a, a little impatient we can be a little sorrowful in our soul while we're still joyful in our spirit knowing that god's working it out for our good and for his glory and teaching us how to abide in him through all the trials and troubles of life so what's the scripture for this next verse if you abide in my word you are my disciples indeed john eight thirty one. so the word is life the word is light the word is Jesus. So as I'm abiding in his word, now I can get above the darkness. So let's look at the first question. Now they are confused and they ask him, who are you and how did you reply? And how did he reply? Then they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. <laughs> and they're like, ah, we don't understand. <laughs> what things does Jesus speak to them? I have many things to say to you and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. So he's kind of talking above their heads a bit, because you know they're not going to believe, they're going to flip his words, they're going to try to trap him. So he's, he's moving a, a little higher. So what's the third question? Did the Pharisees understand that Jesus was speaking about the Father? Hmm. Read the verse. They did not understand that he spoke 
to them of the Father? No, they didn't. If they had understood who the Father was, if they had known the Father, then they would have known Jesus. What does lift up the Son of Man refer to? So then Jesus says to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, now he's talking about going to the cross, then you will know that I am He, and and that He means um, I am the Messiah, I am the one that you've been looking for, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. So the really, really cool thing is that Jesus is in oneness at all all times with the Father. And if He is our example, I think that we could be one with the Father all the time. Um, He talks about praying without ceasing, and I have realized that there are times that I pray without ceasing, but I'm not really praying. I'm just worrying and including the Lord. (laughs) So my prayer without ceasing is where I'm praying and releasing, praying and releasing. Okay, I don't know what to do with that. Lord, would you take care of that over there? Lord, would you bless them? Would you give them a hope? Would you fill their hearts with love? And would you change that circumstance? Would you teach me what you're doing? And and as I'm just growing and learning and trusting, now I'm learning who the Father is. So has the Father left Jesus alone? And he said, and he who sent me is with me. Yes. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do the things that pleases him. <laughs> so Jesus saying, My Father's not going to leave me. He's right here. So did Jesus' words change the hearts of some? As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Yeah, that was John 8 30. So as he's speaking, the Pharisees uh, weren't believing, but those around were starting to believe. What did Jesus say to the Jews who believed? On him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed on him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So as I start abiding, which means dwelling and living in the word of God, then I can become a strong disciple. And so I think it's very important that I meditate in the word, that I um, chew it, listen to it, uh, breathe it, speak it over myself move my problems with promises, uh, pray His Word, because now I'm praying life into myself. I'm praying light. So let's think of some things to ponder over this section. Can you hold your tongue and pray until you hear the Father speak? Ooh! (laughs) This is a a maturity skill. Like, if there's something that triggers me, uh, and I got I got some oppression or some stuff I haven't worked through. I can feel it choke me in my throat. I can I can feel I can feel myself get hot. I can feel a little anger. And at that moment, if I don't hold my tongue, I'm gonna have a mess to go back and clean up. <laughs> so it's very important to hold your tongue and pray until you hear your father speak. Now give us another one. If you need more understanding, pray that God would. Ignite your heart to believe. Mm. Understanding comes after believing. Yes, so Lord, help us. Help us to believe. Write out a verse that speaks to your heart and practice abiding in it today. Sometimes I write it out on a three on a little uh, note card and tie it around my neck. Other times I write it on my hand. Other times I put it on a piece of uh, paper and stick it in my purse or in my pocket or on my dashboard and or on my mirror in the bathroom or on my refrigerator. And I'm just going to keep when my eyes hit it, I'm just going to keep praying it. On my door, 
that goes out of my uh, bedroom, I have all these scriptures posted. And when I open that door to leave, I try to read one or quote one so that I've got something that I'm thinking about that's higher than me and my little itty-bitty problems. <laughs> so what's the next suggestion? Write out a verse that speaks to your heart and practice abiding in it today. So if I can find something, if I can set with the Word of God until one of the verses is highlighted, I'm going to need that that day. But as soon as I get up, I'm going to forget it. <laughs> if I hear something in church that gives me a tingle or a chill, I need to write that down because I'm going to need it that day or the next day, or somebody in front of me is going to need it, but I'm not going to have it if I don't write it down. There's there's something about teaching what God just taught me that helps it uh grow deeper into my heart so that I can abide in it. Now give me a challenge. If I am pleasing man, I have stopped pleasing God. Galatians 1 and 10. What area of my life is skewed? Skewed. Skewed. Because I am trying to please an unpleasable person. Ooh. So I'm going to get out of balance. I'm going to get dysregulated. I'm going to be frustrated if I keep trying to please somebody who's never quite happy. As soon as I've done something to please them, there's another demand right at the end of it that's just as unreasonable as the first one was. <laughs> so I need to make sure that I'm pleasing God first um, and then let her, let the chips fall wherever they do. Uh, I don't need to please everybody. I just need to please God. And a lot of times then I need to dig my heels in and realize i got to stand my ground because it's coming. When they realize they can't move me with bullying with manipulation with uh, raging with anger um because i'm not out to please them anymore i'm out to please god it does make it does make people mad and you do get a little more persecution particularly from family members or bosses or people that are demanding so it's important that you please god first that you wait to hear the lord and then you just stand your ground so truth exposes lies mm-hmm and the truth shall make you free. John eight thirty two. If we continue in Jesus' word, what will we find? Well, let's look. John eight thirty two. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So if I am not free in my spirit, if I'm not free enough to rest, to sleep, if I'm waking up fearful and anxious and fretful in the middle of the night and I don't even know what it's about, there's some lie that's stuck that I've got to journal sit with, meditate on the Word until I can find it. So, um, John eight thirty three. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Okay, so the question is, do the Jews think they're free? Apparently they do think they're free. Um, and what question are they asking him? They're saying, um, We've never been in bondage. Yeah, but, you know, that's not really true because they were in Egypt. Did they forget that they were in Egypt for 400-some <laughs> years? Are they talking about freedom to serve their Father God? Uh, um, so I'm not quite sure what they're referring to, that we've never been in bondage. Because, you know, they, they were in bondage. <laughs> so who's their slave master in the next verse? Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Wow. So freedom is freedom not to sin, not freedom to sin however much I want. Mm. So number four. Who will abide in his master's home forever, the servant 
slave or the son. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. So if I want to go from being a servant to a friend to a son, there's maturity here. There's growth that I need to do so that I can abide in Christ forever. And that's John 8.35. Okay, what's John 8.36 say? Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Ah, so once I've come into sonship, I've come into that oneness with the Father, um, now I'm free. I'm free to have my heart full every day of the joy of the Lord. It is a custom that the Son of the Master can set a slave free. So if Jesus is the Son, then He can choose to set me free. <laughs> so what do you need Jesus to set you free from today? What sin are you a slave to? I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to me. <laughs> All my fingers are pointing this way, guys. But just in case you want to come along with us, what sin do you need Jesus to set you free? Because he's the son. He he's, has the right to do that. So truth sets us free mm -hmm. from lies. We can think we are free and still be in bondage, just like those Pharisees did. They're, they're trusting in the wrong thing. Habitual sin keeps us under the slave master of sin. A son abides forever with the Father and is an heir to all. So if I can mature to the point that I'm one with the Father, one with the Son, one with the Holy Spirit, which we'll see in John 17 is our inheritance, um, now I can abide in them, and I'm an heir to everything, to joy, to peace, to safety, to compassion, to love, to forgiveness. I've been set free. <laughs> How cool is that? So there's a lot of inheritance here that I don't want to give up. So let's look at some things to ponder. If the truth is the uh, opposite, opposite of lies – then if I was free, wouldn't I be free to follow the truth? Mm-hmm. Number two. Truth freedom would be the freedom to choose not to sin. Mm -hmm. So many sins are compelling and addictive. It is important to realize that there is a battle inside of me that needs fought. It is only through the surrender and submission to the Holy Spirit that can keep me from sin. Amen. So am I walking in the flesh or in the spirit? Because Romans seven eighteen through 20 says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will do, I do not do. But the evil I will not do, I, that I practice. <laughs> now, if I do what I will not do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin who dwells in me. So he's talking about, man, as long as I'm in this flesh, I'm going to be fighting this flesh. So if the Apostle Paul, who's written most of the New Testament, is telling us this, that he's doing what he doesn't want to do, and he can't do what he wants to do, and he's practicing what he doesn't want to practice, and... He's saying, this is a sin that's in me. Then we got to give ourselves a little grace. Otherwise, we're going to get stuck. And instead, remember how we were talking about uh, focusing on the good and not the evil? Uh, focusing on um, not those things that are vile, but those things that are precious. So what you have to do is, look, I can't shake this thing. But it doesn't mean I have to engage it every minute of every day, nor do I have to make it my focus. Instead, I can say, there it is, Lord. I can't fix it. If you don't take it away, it's going to sit there for a good little while. But in the meantime, 
I'm going to come over here, and I'm going to praise you, and I'm going to walk in the Spirit as much as you have allowed me to do that. As much as I am able, I'm going to submit, surrender, cooperate, believe, grow, mature. So we want to be walking in the Spirit so that we can do these things and continue to mature. So what practical ways could I shift from practicing evil to practicing the good? And Will and I was talking about it today. We were talking about sometimes you see it in somebody else, um, and if you turn your fingers around, you can see it in a little bitty you can it's a magnifying glass in front of you so you can see what irritates you in that person and correct it in yourself and then you can actually go to them and confess now i I saw this in you but i realized it was in me and so i'm correcting myself and now maybe they'll let you help them um because you got it yeah that's right (laughs) it's all about me (laughs) the lord's trying to teach me through irritating all the irritation stuff i'm fussing about with them so as i'm seeing it sometimes i need to correct it in me sometimes i need to just uh cover it with love so what is dwelling in me well it's my flesh it's the no good stuff that's dwelling in me so instead i want to make sure that the holy spirit's stronger and can subdue my flesh um so there is a difference between being a slave and being a son. The slave in the verse is not free, but in bondage to this slave master named sin. And the sin abides forever with the, the son abides forever with the father and is free not to sin. So tell Jesus what bondage that has bound you and ask him to set you free. So believing is hearing. Why do you not understand my speech? John eight forty three. Why do you not understand my speech? I'd say that's Jesus talking. So let's look at John eight thirty seven. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. Now there he is again. There's several times in in these chapters I've been working on that he's saying that they're he he knows they're trying to kill him. So the Jews are Abraham's seed in the flesh only. So how does Jesus know that his word has no place in them? He says, I know my word has no place in you because you seek to kill me. Mm-hmm. So if you are seeking to uh, remove those people from your life that is speaking truth to you, it's possible. It's, <laughs> it's possible you're on the wrong side of the fence. <laughs> so John eight thirty eight. I speak what I have seen in my father, and you do not and you do what you have seen with your father. Oh, wow. So Jesus said, I know who my father is. My father is God. But who's your father? And said, what's their answer? They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Yeah. He says, you do the works of Abraham had a lot of faith. And Abraham was justified because of his faith. So how does Jesus describe himself? But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. So he's describing himself as the truth. He's telling you, I have told you the truth. I've told you what I've heard my father saying. You're not believing me. So what deeds are they attempting to do? You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father god i think um here they're talking about him 
they're saying, well, your mother wasn't married when she got pregnant, and we don't believe in the virgin birth, so you were probably born of fornication. So they're flipping it, and now they're bringing up things that aren't true as if they were true. Uh, and it kind of sounds like they're, he's saying to them that Satan's your father. Um, and that's also lined out in John eight forty four. So let's keep going. What's 842 say? Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceed forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Okay, so he's saying uh, you can't truly know what I'm saying because you don't, you don't believe. So why did the Jews not understand his speech? Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. So there are the words of truth that cannot be heard in unbelief. Belief is a foundational principle set forth in the gospel. If we indulge, excuse, or rationalize our sin, we are in the wrong house, and we will not find peace. Because Abraham was known for his faith. Again, we must believe to have our spiritual ears opened. So let's ponder some things out of this section. Satan is the father of murder, lies, and accusations. Jesus said, hating my brother is like murder. So yeah, he has a a verse where he says, um, if you just hate him, it's like you murdered him. (laughs) So here are these these, uh, Pharisees um, threatening to kill him. Bringing up accusations and uh, telling him he was born of fornication, and you know they're lying. So it's not abiding with Christ. It's not abiding with God, with truth. They're aligning themselves with evil. So what's the psalm say? The psalm say, "I hate those I lie to." So when you are to tell a lie to somebody you love, remember this isn't love but hate. Ooh. <laughs> when I read that verse in the Psalms, I mm. I, I thought, now, if I'm going to lie to them, it's because I, I hate them. But that's not the truth. I don't hate them. What I'm doing is trying to project myself in a better light. But that obviously means I'm loving myself more than I'm loving them, so maybe I am hating them. <laughs> so how often do we all accuse others based upon what we would do, have done, or what we have done in the past? <laughs> So be careful when you accuse. Because if I'm accusing my brethren, who am I aligning myself with? Satan. I'm not aligning myself with life and light and encouragement and blessing. Yeah, I'm doing what those Pharisees are doing. I don't want to do that. So here's a challenge. Listen to your speech today and stop yourself before you speak hatred, murder, a lie, or accuse another without proof. Mm. Keep going. Confirmation. <laughs> confrontation. Er, confrontation with truth is helping another. Mm. Accusations are harming them. Accusations are harming them. Yes. Instead. Yeah, so there's two things here. There's the confrontation with truth, and then there's accusation when you don't really know what's going on. So instead, what are we to do? Ask questions. Mm-hmm. What did you mean when you said that? What was your thinking process when you did that? Most people want to do good, but relationships first and build build relationships first and earn the right to speak into others. 
Now, name one relationship you would like to build. So if I don't have a relationship with you, Will, it's going to be hard for me to speak into you. It's going to be hard for me to come to you because you're not going to think it's any of my business. Right. <laughs> you're not going to know I'm coming to you out of love. Right. But if I've built a relationship with you, if I've earned your trust, now I can come to you with anything. And I can say, you know, that stung or that hurt or that didn't feel right, but I can't quite put my finger on it. And as I'm doing this, now I'm giving you life. I'm giving you information that we can process together and resolve a conflict. And a lot of times I think we just don't communicate well. So I think we need to work on communicating love with others. The word is living. Yes. So I want my words to um, bring life and not bring death. So if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death, says, says Jesus in John eight fifty one. So how does Jesus describe the devil? We're back at John eight forty four. You are of your father, the devil, and the desire of your father's you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Hmm. So if I'm a lying, am I abiding in light or dark? Dark. Ugh, blessings or cursings? Cursing. <laughs> Life or death. Death. <laughs> yeah, so I don't want to be lying. I don't want to be lying. I want to go back and confess. I want to go back and repent. Uh, I want to go back and correct myself. And um, I was taught to lie growing up to avoid abuse. So it took me a significant amount of time to break that habit. And then I still catch myself sometimes in the habit. And and instead of, you know, if I if it's a truth that I don't feel like it's anybody's business, I need to tell them that and just move on. <laughs> I don't need to lie to them. Right. So what do they not <laughs> be, why do they not believe Jesus? But because I tell the truth you do not believe me. Okay, so belief activates a hearing ear. They don't have a hearing ear, so they think his truth is a lie. They can't hear truth. So can any of the Jews convict Jesus of sin? Which of you convict me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Hmm. So why don't they believe him? He who is of God hears God's word. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. This has gone on and on and on how he is addressing unbelief, 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 isn't it? Mm-hmm. Hmm. How do the Jews refute Jesus' nationality? Nationality. To whom do they give credit for Jesus' power? Then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan? A Samaritan? Yep. And have a demon. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, that's the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> so how does Jesus answer them? <laughs> Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Hmm. He's calling him out, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the dishonor, he's, he's saying your accusations, your false accusations, your deaf ear of unbelief dishonors me. So does Jesus seek his own glory? No. Yeah. And I do not seek my own glory. Mm -hmm. There is one who seeks and judges. How is it that we can never see spiritual death? Most assuredly, I say to you, if anybody, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Okay. 
So Jesus is saying, I am word. I'm the life here, guys. Uh, yeah, keep my word, abide in my word, believe. Without believing, you can't even hear me. <laughs> so Satan's a murderer, a father of lies with no truth in him. If we align ourselves with a lie, we cannot hear truth. There is no sin in Jesus. He was without sin. And if Jesus was persecuted, how much more will they persecute us? And a person who doesn't believe in the one true God will not believe in Jesus. And the goal of the life of a believer is to glorify God. And Jesus is the word of life, and in him is no death at all. So give me some things to think about from this section. What do you do when others falsely accuse you? Okay, what do you do? Do you fight back? Do you just, mm-hmm, just sorry you feel? Now, I don't know. What do you do? It stings. It stings, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, but what if we just didn't take it personally and we just gave it to the Father? There it is, Lord. Help me to know how to respond. Because, you know, different times we need to respond different ways. So that's where you have to be in oneness with the Father. So what's another thing to think about? When you are intentionally... Internally. When you are internally... Dysregulated. Dysregulated. Do you stuff it, stew on it? or spew it <laughs> instead how could you use it to glorify god hmm so i if i don't recognize when i'm dysregulated out of harmony with myself then i don't recognize that there's work that i need to be doing instead i'm blaming somebody else thinking that they irritated me and it's their fault <laughs> so as i take my irritations and grow now i can glorify god so give me another one can you trust yourself to not condemn yourself, but instead to extend yourself grace and honor yourself? Ah, yeah. So if I'm used to putting myself down, if I'm used to negatively rehearsing nonsense in my head, beating myself up, I, I'm condemning myself. I'm speaking death to myself. Instead, I want you to speak grace and honor to yourself. So in Acts five seventeen through 20, the apostles were falsely accused. And the angels gave them instructions on what to do. And I want you to look that one up. I want you to look up what the angels told them to do to apply to their life. That would have been in Acts 5, 17 through 20. You're going to find a secret there. So let's keep going. I am that I am. Before Abraham was I am. John eight fifty eight. What type of death did the Jews think he was talking about? A physical or a spiritual death? Then the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. <laughs> Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and you say, If anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. <laughs> so, okay. So now they're flipping his words. Now they know, now they want to know if he is greater than whom? Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead? And the prophets are dead. Who do you make yourself out to be? So they're quizzing him. They're trying to trap him in words. Who honors Jesus? And who do the Jews say is their God? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. So the Father honors Jesus. So does Jesus say they know the Father? Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say, I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him 
and keep his word. Okay, so Jesus is saying, I walk with the Father. Does Jesus say Abraham knew of his coming? Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. I bet if we prayed and we went back and looked through all of Abraham's writings, we would find where it is that he saw Jesus. So now, what do the Jews want to know? Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? (laughs) What was Jesus' answer? Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I am is a reference to the Father God, to Jehovah God. Why did the Jews want to stone him? Could they stone him? I am is a reference to Jesus being the deity of the Father God. And he was telling them, I am God in the flesh. So here they are. What are they doing with these stones? Then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Yeah, it wasn't his time, so they weren't going to be able to touch him. Right. Uh, Yeah. So they considered him saying, I am, as blasphemy, and they considered that worthy of death. So here's some things I want you to think about. Do you know how to speak a blessing over yourself? Hmm, what's going to look like to bless yourself? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. (laughs) He knew me before he formed me. I am my father's child. He loves me with an everlasting love. That's how I want you to start speaking to yourself. Number two. Do you know how to preach to yourself? Oh, yes. If you do not know how to preach to yourself, you're going to be rehearsing nonsense in your head. I need you to preach the promises of God's Word. Do you know that I – do you know the great I am? Does he burn in your heart? On the road to Emmaus, after he was resurrected, the men said, did he not burn in our heart? So here's your challenge. If I focus on my freckle emotion. Fickle. Or fickle. You're okay. (laughs) Emotions. Mm -hmm. I will have a rotten day. Absolutely. (laughs) If I focus on the unchanging word of God, I will be laid on solid ground. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever Hebrews 13:8 And God ask. ask God to know him as steadfast strength and help and to show you something about him that you do not know today Okay so ask God it's the same yesterday today and forever to show you something new about him because as you get to know your father God you're going to fall deeply in love with him And this was Angie Muddles. And this is Will. And we'll see you next time.